Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday, September 14, 2021 episode of The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, here to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music, and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is blues singer-songwriter Patty Parks. Based in upstate New York, Patty Parks has lived through tragedy and come out the other side because of the healing power of the blues. Her newest album, Whole Nother World, released in May of 2021, is full of rockin', moving music that will make your foot tap and move your soul. Patty suffered life-changing events in one year. The death of her 30-year-old son, her husband nearly dying after contracting COVID-19, and the rebirth of her singing career. Now signed to a hot blues recording label, Booga Music, Viztone Records, appearing on Sirius XM's Bluesville and with a new recently released album that is charting worldwide, Patty is a blues performer on the rise. Patty has led a blues woman's life. She's a beautiful survivor whose message is connecting with her followers. As a nurse who cares for vets every day, she feels the pain of others and stays true to herself by making healing music. Her music pays homage to the blues women of the past and takes the music to a soulful place. Patty shares her life experiences through the lyrics and this profoundly connects with people who listen. As a creative person who loves to generate new ideas, Patty is willing to explore the full range of the blues genre and beyond. Songs on her CD include blues tinged with R&B, soulful ballads evoking sadness and joy, and danceable upbeat jump blues. Her album launch continues with a tour around the country where she shares the healing power of the blues. Patty is a dynamic performer who empowers audiences and every show is a good time where people can enjoy dancing, 
connecting with the music and feeling something profound. Patty was inducted into the Buffalo, New York Music Hall of Fame and recognized for the program she founded called Nursin' Blues. Her first album, Cheatin' Man, received outstanding reviews from Blues Blast magazine. Her band has performed in many major festivals, including the National Women in the Blues Showcase, the Blues in March Festival, Ellicottville Blues Festival, Niagara Thunder, Kalamazoo Music Festival, and the Northeast Jazz Festival. Patty enjoys performing at some of the most famous blues venues, such as the Funky Biscuit, Ground Zero, Time Out Pub, B.B. Kings, and Rum Boogie. She also may be heard regularly on syndicated blues show BBC, Full-Time Blues, PBS-FM, House of Blues Radio Hour, Biker Street Radio, Roots Time, and many more stations in Italy, France, Australia, Canada, and the United States. Patty's education program, called Nursing Blues, was created in 2015 to help high-risk children at drug rehab centers. The program is so impressive that it is funded by the Western New York Blues Foundation. The program provides blues music education for high-risk women's groups in the Western New York community by using music in a therapeutic way to capture emotions and vent feelings. These groups help women start to heal while learning about women in blues history. Nurse and Blues offers a unique approach to dealing with addiction and utilize the expertise of certified music therapist Sheila Connors. Connors uses various techniques to help people work on self-esteem issues, coping skills, and relationships through songwriting, lyric analysis, rhythm circles, and more. Connors has said that even those who come in with no taste for the blues often open up to it and find themselves enjoying the therapy sessions. The, th the program has been nationally recognized by the Blues Foundation in Memphis, Tennessee. In my show notes, in addition to links uh, to information about Patty and uh, various uh, festivals that she has performed, um, there's also links to uh, live performances uh, on YouTube um, with uh, Kenny Neal and also uh, Patty performing at the uh, uh, Funky Biscuit. I've also included a link to Patty's Facebook page. It is a pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Patty Parks. Hello, Patty. It's great. <laughs> it's great to talk with you. You know, I, I'm excited. I've been waiting all day for this opportunity. I, I want to get into some conversation about music with you. Well, that's wonderful. So let's get right to your new album, Whole Nother World. Now, you were brought to uh, Baton Rouge by uh, Kenny Neal to record this album. And uh, 
so I, I just have some questions. Which of the songs on the album are originals? I know you've, you've got a, at least one or two covers, but right. which ones are originals? Well, you know, Baby B was written by Kenny Neal, but No Means No is an original that's never been recorded as well. That was by Terry Abramson and, um, uh, and also uh, Mr. Derek Purcell. The other songs on the album were recorded about 25 years ago and a project that Kenny was involved with. And it, those songs, and there's probably about four of them on there, they never really got in the limelight, if you will, because this beautifully gifted singer, unfortunately passed very young. And so um, why I recorded on those was because Kenny said, look at these haven't really been brought out as they should have, are you interested? And so those made its way onto the album. Okay, all right. There's one last, another oh, one I got. And I, sure. Oh, for sure. It's called I Can't Think. Um, and it's kind of a funny song, you know, and it pokes fun on relationships. So when you've had it, I can't think, I think I need a drink. And that's basically the whole lyric on that. And it was written by Guy Norelli, but that's another original tune on there. Oh, well, and so and so most all the songs that were contributed by by other songwriters, do you write any at all yourself? I, I do. None of which is on this particular album, but our okay. first Cheat Man album that was released um, in 2013. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now, when you did the recording down in Baton Rouge, did you use uh, your regular band or did you record with Kenny Studio Musicians? Kenny Studio Musicians. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and that was a situation, first of all, and I say this all the time because just like anybody else, you're so used to your environment, the musicians that you perform with, even the studio musicians, because I do a lot of recording in Western New York where I reside. But in Baton Rouge, they were all Kenny Neal's musicians. And I didn't have tracks to practice on before I went down there. So I got the feel and the vibe of all of these new musicians that I've never even met let alone you know recorded with so that was a whole different thing for me and in a good way really so you've you've probably felt more invigorated than scared uh guess what Two what's parts that, of that. Two okay parts of that. so here's the thing you know first of all let's face it you're getting on an airplane you're not sure what to expect so already your anxiety is a little bit higher right and then of course this is a grammy nominee that's invited you down uh, then we're getting the spark up a little bit more with anxiety you know um but here here's the caveat to this so kenny's really a bright guy right so he kind of helped me prepare for a skit if you will so he picks me up at the airport and he takes me through an area where he grew up where a lot of his friends were and i talk about this all the time because it was as though i was in a movie things seemed so unreal to me but there were people, you know, jamming in their garages with, you know, you know, old amps and things like that. And I was just like starting to get a feel and the vibe of the area, uh, right down to his favorite restaurant with catfish, right? So all of that helped me, okay, before I got in that studio, start starting to feel what the community sense was, right? Um, and then, you know, it was calmed down about that. And then I walk into a studio and there's all this memorabilia of the Neal family. And Kenny's got quite a history there, you can imagine, from his father um, and his sister. And, you know, his whole band is filled with his other brother, you know, Frederick Neal, and uh, all his whole family are musicians. So he's got all this Neal history of memorabilia inside the studio, you know. Mm -hmm. 
But once I got, uh, you know, I'm always intrigued by musicians and their talent. I think once I started to listen what was there, it kind of brought me to another level, uh, which I didn't even know was in there, meaning my, the way I could deliver the lyrics or it wasn't like anything planned. It just like came out, you know, this, the soul of the music. I, I was able to just, you know, tell the lyrics in a different way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I would share with you, I, uh, it's been almost a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a good friend of mine from many, many years ago, we were in graduate school together. And he has spent his career as a studio musician in Los Angeles. And he's played on a number of Grammy winning recordings and, and toured, you know, with some, some big name people. And he made a really interesting, uh, uh, comment in that he said, because, uh, you know, one of the things I asked him, I says, do you have any tips for any young musicians who might be listening that are aspiring to be studio musicians? And he said, yeah, the number one thing you've got to remember is that your number one job when you're hired to go in and play is to make the artist, the singer, whoever's, you know, hired you sound better than they think they can sound, you know, by not just playing the notes on the page, but the way you play, the spirit with which you play, and you you work to bring out the best of the you know the lead artist that's uh, in the recording session. It sounds like you had a similar experience with uh, uh, your the musicians that you worked with in Baton Rouge. I've only been at Baton Rouge once. I had a good buddy of mine who was, he was a blues guitarist who was from Baton Rouge and we were in school together in, uh, in uh, Texas. And I uh, went over to visit one time and uh, uh, very nice musical, you know, community. So I've got to ask you, you know, knowing that uh, music like uh, the blues, we most often associate with the South, the Southern United States, did being in the South, as opposed to upstate New York, have any influence on you or the sound of your music? In other words, was there anything, a certain something, as the French would say, a je ne sais quoi, about this new recording because you recorded it in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with, with Southern uh, studio musicians versus maybe with music that you play in the North. Did you find that that, that had any influence on the sound of your, your music? Uh, yes. And okay. first, first my take on this is that your environment plays a big impact on your performance, number one. And so the environment was totally different. So of course, but the way I actually have been asked about this and the way I can describe it, it was a musical spiritual awakening. Okay. How that occurred, I'm not sure, except I go back and I reflect upon my time there. And, um, and because of the history that's there already, you know, um, you know, seeing uh, Kenny's late sister, Jackie, her portrait um, in the studio who, you know, unfortunately she passed early under bad circumstances. She was a rising star and I'm sitting there. I just recorded her portrait is above me. And then, you know, if you can just close your eyes for a minute and envision all the things that I'm picking, I'm picking up all of these, these vibes and all of that. 
and then going out on Kenny's back porch. And there's, you know, again, I feel like I'm warped in time because not much has changed. You're, you're out in this beautiful, you know, uh, patio and you've got that old fashioned fan going and it's hot summer day and you're looking and you're seeing an, an old band that they used to use for Jackie when she was touring. Um, that definitely had an impact on me. The other piece is I do have to say that depending on what you know and what you've heard, your take on certain genres is what it is, right? So mm -hmm. had your past experiences, that, that also involves how you are as a person, right? So, mm -hmm. so as I developed, right? So um, how did I grow up? I grew up on all the, you know, Liza Minnelli. Um, I was a cellist. Um, I was, you know, more in classical music, but then I loved R&B and all of that. All those life experiences do have an impact on how you perform. But this was one thing I experienced that was new. <laughs> it was new. And of course, with experiencing that, a different piece came out of me. Now, when I tour, a lot of times what happens, they'll say, uh, Patty Parks, the New York blues. Mm. And that's not what we say here, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm traveling, we may, just like some people, when they say different words, you must be from the South or you must be from the North, how we say words. I may be not aware of a certain style that I already have based on my life experiences where I grew up. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, though, the musicianship that was present was what I had never heard before. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's not anything that's relative to where I am. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was a combination of community and church that was real. They, there was in Kenny's studio, and I don't know if you know this or your listeners know, know this, but Kenny's a mentor. And he has a lot of young musicians that come in and listen while he's recording and ask questions and he opens his door to them. As a matter of fact, they ask him all questions about the business. And they're on occasion, he may say, you got something? Let's hear what you got and invite them to record in real time. Mm. So if you can imagine seeing that, that's nothing. We're, we're really you know, very structured where I live. That would have never happened in a studio where I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a long-winded answer for your question, but I think it's really important. Well, it's, you know, I think that it, it gives a lot of clarity to how people differ somewhat in different regions of the country. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a couple of examples. And maybe you noticed this too when you were visiting in Louisiana. Now, I lived in Texas for 15 years. And generally, when you met somebody new, uh, the first question they'd ask is, where are you from? Who are your people, meaning who's your family, and what's your faith? That came way before, you know, what do you do for a living? What are your hobbies? What are your other interests? Because that's kind of a priority that, that existed amongst, uh, you know, people living in that part of the country that's a little bit different from, say, uh, the upper Midwest where I live. Um, I had an interesting experience. I went to a restaurant for the first time in about a year and a half in it uh, here in, in Waukesha and and Waukesha is about a half an hour west of uh, Milwaukee so we're anyway but in, and it was a Mexican restaurant and the waitress referred to me as honey and I said to her 
where in Texas are you from? Because in Texas, every waitress refers to you as honey. <laughs> it was familiar to you, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I heard that. And I said, yeah, I'll bet she's from Texas. Yeah. Well, anyways, so, you know, knowing that you were in this rarefied air of this studio and surrounded by these uh, great musicians, the ones you recorded with, did, uh, did they make any suggestions or changes to the way you did any of the songs? You know, it's the only thing that changed it that's through direction is we changed the key that Kenny wanted for me. Okay. But other than that, he basically is sing the song to me. Okay. So, you know, there are a couple of times that I was so worried about a lyric. For example, Baby B is an acoustic, right? Yeah. I very seldom do acoustic songs. I didn't know I was doing it until I got down there. And Kenny said, hey, how about this song? And so he's like, here's the lyrics, da 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 So right away, I'm like, oh, my God, I got to remember the lyrics. I got to remember that, you know, perfect. He said, sing the song. In other words, tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of the message that he wanted me to do throughout. Let it be me. Open up your spirit, your soul, and tell the mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And that's about as much direction versus, you know, seeing I get a ooh, and this is how it's coming out. None of that. Okay. Um, you know, like, like a conservative approach, which probably I'm most used to, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as a singer. Mm -hmm. uh, but that wasn't present and, and he was very approachable and you know Kenny's so brilliant too I like he'll just do a horn line in about five minutes so I'm just mm. listening to him and, just, and the musicians he'd sing it to him and it would just came back in no time it was crazy that's wonderful that's wonderful so it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong like um, it was it, the, the recording was a collaborative effort with a lot of direction from Kenny right. the producer and uh, and as well as, uh, uh, you know, input from you. So it sounds like it was really uh, very much a collaborative effort. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think, well, you know, he also said to me, you know, what are, is there any other songs you want to do? And I said, you know, this was a scary one. I said, I, I want to do it. It's a man's 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 world. Now, that's a big gamble, right? Yeah. It's but it's one of my favorite tunes. And yeah. uh, I wanted to deliver it the way... I wanted to. And I thought, he goes, let's do it. And I was so pleased with the, how it turned out because, you know, Kenny's lead guitar and that is just crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I don't care what anybody else thinks. I really like your version. Mm -hmm. I, and when I listened to it, I went, wait a minute, this isn't an original. I know this song, but she's really doing it in a unique way. And I really, you know, it really stood out for me uh, on the recording. So I think you, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me, Patty, that you are now the second blues singer that I've interviewed that is also a nurse. Yes, there's a there's a blues singer in Pittsburgh. Her name is uh, Freddie Stover. Yes, I know her. Miss well. Freddie, you know, you know, Miss Freddie. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And I interviewed her. Oh, my goodness. It's probably been two, three months ago. And of course, she, you know, she's a nurse. And, and now I learned about you that you're a nurse. And I think there is a lot of healing power in your music. Uh, I think there's a lot of healing power in music, period. But I think your music really speaks to that. Would you be specific as possible or as comfortable as you are about what you witness for yourself personally, as well as what music does for others? Yeah. 
Well, there's how, how long is this show? <laughs> it's as long as I want to make it. There you go. Well, not to make it boring, but I can okay. honestly say this is that, you know, when we're young, sometimes we make bad decisions. So I took door number two. I was supposed to take door number one in my life. So that being said, a lot of turmoil through that episode and no music in my life. You know, really, really uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, me retreating as a person, almost an experience that I could say someone was trying to put a bushel over my spirit, my light. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though a candle was burning and someone was trying to put a bushel over my light. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the best way I can describe that piece of it. But along with it, you know, I ended up having some beautiful children and I'm blessed with that. But just like any other disease process that may happen, one of my children, you know, was born with chemical dependency and we, we knew it very young. And so, you know, without, you know, getting into so much, anybody that I know that have experienced either someone in their family or someone that's been close to them have been some way touched by someone who's had problems with chemical dependency. It hurts really, really hard when it's your child. Um, so that being said, is a, another component of, of those feelings that over time, I had a lot of ups and downs and you know, wanting to help my boy all through his episodes of, and his, his, him striving to be healthy. But then of course, just like everything else, you know, the ups and downs with the pandemic and all of that. But I can honestly say to you that it music is a cathartic for me. Um, I am able to unleash those feelings and reach out to others. It's a God's God's gift, I believe. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I'm unique, but I accept this gift. And I can feel it when I'm performing. I can actually hone in sometimes to somebody in the audience that's just not quite right in that moment. And it allows me to feel that whole, that wholeness and connection with my audience. I think the reason why I started to do, really get interested in the blues, and I spoke to all those other genres that I'm aware of, is because of, you know, it's, it's an example of strength and resilience and survival in many, many ways. And so for me, it seemed to be a perfect match. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, we think about, um, there's a wonderful video uh, documentary I used to show in my classes at the university. It's probably 30 years old or more, but it's called The Land Where Blues Began. And in the documentary, one of the blues musicians uh, that they're interviewing, and I don't remember who it was now, and then, I don't think it was anybody that was particularly well known, um, said, when you've got the blues, you get rid of the blues by singing the blues. In other words, it's almost sort of like uh, <laughs> Sigmund Freud's talk therapy, but self-induced. You know what I'm saying? Because because you're getting your feelings off your chest. But you're, you said something I thought was a really important element to add, and that is you're also demonstrating the courage to confront that problem, not hide from it, not cover it up. 
you know, like if you're singing about a, a you know, a cheating spouse, for example, right, and and you know you're confronting that this is the 500 pound gorilla in your living room. Now, what am I going to do about it? Well, you know, there there's a million blues songs about that sort of thing and different kinds of you know. Right. Uh, so, and, and I also, one of the things I love about the blues is that there is a, a raw earthiness that seems to be a more real human emotion right. that is, that is there. And, uh, as well as the things that you mentioned, and I am a firm believer in the cathartic, uh, aspects of music and uh, and how it comforts us and and helps kind of gives us uh, uh, our emotions a, a good clean rinse <laughs> you know and and helps set us straight and i didn't realize until uh yesterday no no excuse me it was memorial day memorial day was the first gig i had played in over a year and I played uh, for a Memorial Day service at the local park. And I didn't realize how much I had missed my friends that I play with and how much I had missed playing music with others. And then uh, yesterday, my wife and I played this little concert off the back of our, uh, you know, condo deck. And I have to tell you, I got such a high from that. I couldn't go to sleep last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm doing my very best right now as we talk to keep myself propped up. And I think as soon as our interview's over, I'm probably going to be crashing, but and taking a nap. But the thing of it is, is you know that you come off of a gig, off of a stage, and you've connected with people, and you know that you have given them something that maybe has has made their day better you know, uh, is a feeling that, you know, you just can't put words to. And I, and I, and I tell my non-musical friends, I'm sorry, I wish I could describe it to you, but there just aren't any words. Well, you got that right. And, but yet musicians, like, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And yet we haven't used any words to describe it. So it's, it's, it's one of those wonderful things that you can't describe adequately or you can't grasp but you know is there i uh uh also you know the power of music uh one of the things i do is i conduct a band uh that was uh, started by a professor at the eastman school of music in in rochester and it's uh called the new horizons international music association and it's a band program primarily for older adults. In fact, the minimum age is 55. And a lot of people that play in my band, I'm 66, they think I'm a kid, you know. But they know that by playing their instrument and coming to band every week, it keeps the gears greased, keeps them socially, you know. I mean, music is that has not only that healing, but maintenance power as well. So... You know, you and I are, uh, you, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Someone, someone had said to me, 
what you like most about performance? And I said, the audience. It's yeah. the audience. That's yeah. what I like most about it, right? Like you had said, the connection, it's there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, there's a, a, a joke I always make. I'm sure my audiences are tired of hearing it. And I know the people I play with are, but usually right before we play our last number, I always tell my audience, I thank them for coming. Because you know, without an audience, this would just be another rehearsal. Right, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And uh, and they laugh, but it's 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 kind of worn and tired. And I've I've been tired of you know my chops are in great shape, but the only thing I've been playing for is my metronome. Oh. And uh, it felt so good to get out in front of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're on the same wavelength. Well, I have a question for you then that uh, I, I ask of all blues musicians that I've, I've talked to, you know, we often associate the blues with the American South and, you know, specifically perhaps the Mississippi Delta region. And you're from upstate New York. Now, is the blues truly an international style or is it a regional style? In other words, focused on the Southern United States that's just imitated internationally. Now I'm also thinking before you, you know, while you're thinking about that, because I'm also thinking about blues musicians from outside of the Southern United States, like yourself. I also had a, a, a woman about uh, two months ago who I interviewed a wonderful uh, blues singer and pianist named Sunday Wild who is from Thunder Bay, Ontario. I mean, she lives up in the woods, you know, way up north of, uh, in Canada. Uh, but anyway, I'm thinking about blues musicians from outside of the South. And I'm also thinking about all of the blues influenced English rock bands and musicians that have, you know, come out of England, the Animals, the Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton, John Mile, etc. So is blues really an international style or just a regional style that's imitated internationally? That's really a tough question. Because there is a certain sound that's present in the South. It's very hard to even try to mimic. So you try not to. However, you want to stay with certain uh, structures of the blues, for example, the, you know, the, a, the, the format of whether it's a rhythm or the format, you want to stay true to the blues, but it's going to be your interpretation of the poetry. Okay. It's going to be your take on it. So sometimes, I mean, I am very respectful of the origin of the blues. Let me say that to you. So I have toured Mississippi and I've, you know, down at the, you know, Morgan Friedman's place down there. And I've gone through you know, Memphis many times, and I'm saying on Beale uh, many, many times. As a matter of fact, it's when, you know, um, the National Women's Showcase for the Blues, and I've met Sunday, and I know uh, Freddie oh. very well. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, but I am respectful of that and understand that that is unique, and it cannot be altered or changed, nor should it, and it should be recognized for its origin. On the other hand, I am so grateful to be able to take my own take on that and to be part of that genre. So I think it's a combination. We need to recognize that it is different and it is unique. Um, and the way the lyrics are delivered, we love it. That's why we try to duplicate it. You know, we, that's one thing I want to say about that. 
is that we are doing it in other areas because we love it so much. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, there are some, you know, um, uh, musicians that grew up in the South and still, but their, their take on the blues is not what history would have brought us to in the history of the blues. They're doing, you know, all types of rock changes and they've grown up right in the heart of the South. So, and that's their take on the blues. It's much a younger feel. It's a, you know, so I think it's both. I think it's a, it's not just unique, but let's acknowledge the fact that it's a whole different sound. Okay. There are, there are a lot of gospel singers that have their origin in the South that are just, their voices are like butter and could never be duplicated. They're sweet, mm -hmm. so, you know, but we love it. And that's why we do our own take on it, you know? Sure. Yes. Sure. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I'm right with you. I mean, there's, there's a, again, a certain attitude yes. that, that, that goes with say the blues that is different from say your typical contemporary pops pop tune, right. you know, uh, there's a different, different kind of vibe there. And, uh, and uh, I, I, I had the experience a few years ago, my wife and I took a little road trip on our way to uh, visit her sister in Atlanta. And I said, well, if we're going to go to Atlanta, we're going to kind of go roundabout. We went to Clarksdale. We went to Ground Zero. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Morgan was off shooting on film or something because he wasn't there. But, uh, you know, enjoyed a nice meal, heard a really great band. We toured the museum you know, that was there. Uh, we went over to the crossroads and I, I took my wife's picture, you know, standing at the crossroads uh, that where Robert Johnson traded his soul to the devil. Right. And, uh, but I told my wife, I don't think you have to worry that because I don't, my wife's a recorder player. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, but there is a certain there's a certain element again, that's almost indescribable that we know is there, but it's so attractive. Oh my God. I love it. And, and you know, there's... yeah, you want to be part of it. That's what people mm -hmm. are, I want to be part of it. But let me say this. The first time that I toured down into the place that you're talking about in Clarksdale um, at ground zero, I was the, a nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. And I've been performing for a long time. You know why? I didn't want anybody to feel as though, you know, I was, my interpretation and how I was singing was insulting in any way because I really wanted people to realize that it is just me and it's because I emulate this type of music, this, this genre. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I was received because honestly, I, it was a little bit scary for me and that's the truth. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not laughing at you. What I'm chuckling about is the similarities that uh, another blues musician I interviewed, uh, John Namath, mm -hmm. who's uh, from Memphis, uh, but he's originally where I'm from. He's he's from Boise, Idaho, which is where I'm originally oh, from. Okay. Okay. And so John and I had a wonderful conversation, but he told me the very first time he performed at a festival in Mississippi, he was scared because the band leader he was working with wanted to do B.B. King's Sweet Little Sixteen. And he said, how can I go out there and do that in front of this audience when they know that version? Because the man is from around here, you know. And, and the band leader said, just relax. 
you do it just fine. And he went out there and he did it. And he felt so good because they accepted him and accepted the way he did it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, so he was, you know, I, I understand fully what you're talking about, because I've heard it before. I've heard others talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I often like to joke when uh, my jazz group does a blues tune, uh, like in a club and it, of course, uh, you know, I love the blues in itself. I love blues in jazz. And I always say, you know, that tune that makes you feel like you're getting a hug from your grandma and then doing a shot of whiskey with her. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All in one song. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And it usually gets a laugh, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you've really had a great career. And, uh, and you've won a lot of awards, an impressive list of, of awards, which, which I talk about in all my intro and run-up uh, uh, discussion about you before the interview. But would you reflect on some of your more memorable experiences of your career? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, the first time that I went down to Memphis and I competed in the IBCs, the International Blues Competition, um, again, it, for me at that time was a whole nother world. I mean, I had never gone to Memphis, Tennessee. And at that time there was over 500 bands that were competing. Mm. So, you know, being on again, a stage that was timed to get off the stage, you know, this, it was really something. And to bring my band down with me, it was really, really cool. And uh, that was my first uh, big experience um, in, in that competition. Um, but the other piece is, you know, there's two really important things that happened in Memphis after that as well, not to mention uh, where I reside. But after that, I was asked to speak or to sing at uh, the International Women's Showcase for the Blues. Uh, we first started in this really small coffee shop, um, and it was off deal originally. Mm -hmm. But the next time that I came back, it was the first time a woman's show, all women's show, was on Beale Street. So mm. a little bit of history, the Smithsonian, I believe, is part of that. So can you imagine to be part of that history? It was great. It was a wonderful opportunity. And, the other, and the other wonderful thing that happened in uh, Memphis is I get a call from the Blues Foundation, and they said, look it, I know you've got this program, Nurse and Blues. It's a, a program that I have um, using the blues genre for music therapy. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to come and speak at a symposium with Walter Trout and Kenny Neal about the healing power of blues. So I was like, I thought about it for a minute and I said, um, I guess so. Just <laughs> so anyway, um, I said, did you say Walter Trout? And he said, yeah. Did you say Kenny Neal? Yeah. I, I had to pinch myself, but um, it was a wonderful thing because the Blues Foundation had recognized this eclectic program that I developed, right? So that was wonderful. It was a great opportunity for me to share the stories that um, I was involved with, with helping, you know, uh, young people. Um, and then, of course, you know, being um, inducted in the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame mm -hmm. um, was quite uh, an experience for me that I didn't expect would happen, um, especially at this time in my life, because, you know, it's not that everybody has passed when they get in there, but you know, to still be playing it, to be part of that and still doing memorable things and going to festivals was, was just unbelievable. And I think, you know, the reason um, I was inducted for my performance and 
that meant so much to me that the earlier conversation we had about connecting with the audience was all about that, is that it was well received. And for me to get earn that award was, I was so humbled by it and so grateful to be part of that history. So those oh, were wonderful. like the big things, honestly. Uh, so yeah. excited. That's impressive. That is impressive. And uh, they, they are big things, big, important things. You, you're, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's really amazing what you've accomplished. You know, and, and I was, the, the next thing I was going to ask you about is, uh, you know, <laughs> as if it isn't enough, other than recording your new, your new album, what have you been doing to stay musically active since COVID-19 has shut down most live performing? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So live performancing, our performance is zero. Um, we were, my husband and I, who's a musician as well, and he's on the album too. We do our constantly writing original songs and we kept ourselves until he got hit by COVID. Oh. So the world stopped around October. Um, so that being said, um, there was a res health resurgence for my husband and we really got back into the music really early in the year. You know, this whole album was on hold for almost two years. Oh, I see. So then that just kind of, mm -hmm. but I can honestly tell you, I always kept connected with my fan base, no matter what. Good. Keeping them aware of what we were doing and we were writing our music, but also letting them know that life circumstances have affected me and that we will be back and connected again. And that's about the best I could have done last year in terms of connecting with everybody. It's a bad sure. year for not only me, I'm sure most people. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I interviewed on Friday, I interviewed a woman named Jennifer Wharton, who's a, uh, uh, makes her living playing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. But of course, Broadway has been shut down since year ago, March. So her entire income has down, was gone. And, uh, you know, and so she's, had a lot of different kind of things that she still, you know, did some teaching and, yeah. and uh, some other kinds of things. But yeah, I mean, it's really devastated a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians, a former student of mine is a uh, blues guitarist in Chicago. And uh, until COVID hit, he was doing 250 shows a year. Um, um, touring all around the United States uh, with uh, Biscuit Miller and the mix. Well, anyway, of course he and I, we were chatting on Facebook messenger or something and he played his first gig. Hmm, I'm going to say probably about three weeks ago. And uh, he had a similar experience that one I described about myself. He got so excited he couldn't sleep. But then when he finally came down, he said it was like having PTSD. He was just you know, kind of like blown away, like it did it really happen, you know, because we get out of that groove and we've been all been on hold from right. doing what we love. And then when you finally do it, it's sort of like a shock to your system, Oh, for sure. you know? And yeah. so, yeah, but I'm glad that you're, you're back and you've got that new album and I, I sure dig it. And I encourage other people to listen to it too. You know, Patty, one thing I'm interested in knowing is that you know, we've all, all of us have drawn upon musicians of uh, the past to create our own unique sound and approach to music. Who inspires your musicianship and in what way? 
Yeah, you know, there's a couple, you're going to laugh at this because they're like two different ends of the spectrum, you know, so I love the beauty of Etta James and, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know uh, and the way that she delivers her lyrics and the subtle, you know, the, the subtle approach to what she does. Um, and yet I love Janis Joplin, right? So mm -hmm. I've got that little, you know, in my voice, I've got that little flair in my voice. So, you know, I, I, and it's because I also like, sometimes I like to be, be able to deliver my lyrics in that way as well. I want to be able to hit home and make it clear what I'm saying, where I'm on the other end of what how Etta James delivers it, you know, for sure. But uh, that's really why. And, you know, I listen to a lot of people. And like you had said, you love a lot of music. Um, but I like to be inspired by different styles. Mm -hmm. so then it's sort of, I start to grow myself. There's a lot of um, people that are still alive that mm -hmm. I, I love to, to listen to, like Sheree Williams. You know, um, Sheree Williams is gospel blues. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she will, you know, she rises your spirit. But the funny part about it, I'm going to tell you about Liza Minnelli. Mm -hmm. How does that fit into the blues? Well, performance-wise, right? So yep. here's the thing. I was a closet vocalist. And you said, what are you talking about? I, when I first saw her, and I, you know, I live in New York, so that's not a new thing for New Yorkers. They love Liza Minnelli. But I was a little mm -hmm. girl, and my mother took me to see her performance. And I remember I was watching her on stage. She dropped to her knees when she's singing Mammy. Mm -hmm. I looked and I said, I want to be her. Mm -hmm. I want to be her. And when I was young, honestly, I would listen to her about eight hours a day. I emulated everything about her. Mm -hmm. So when you put in all of that in terms of performance, and then I'm listening to Janis Joplin, but then I'm listening to the sweetness of Etta James, is how you how you start start to develop your own style and your own spirit because mm -hmm. that's so pleasing to your ear, you know, mm -hmm. which is I think is very cool in the sense I looked at it once when I was interviewed and I said, oh, do I really want to say Liza Minnelli when we're talking about the blues? I said, absolutely, I do, mm -hmm. because it did have an impact. It has an impact on my spirit mm -hmm. and so and, and what i heard and what i what's pleasing to me and that connection with her audience when she was delivering her lyrics mm -hmm. you know, um i'm pretty theatrical sometimes when i sing it's not it's not anything i plan i look at pictures of myself and i say oh my goodness a lot of times i've got my hands up and i'm reaching up and um, a lot of that has to do with visualization and also listening so I think that's that's really what's had an impact on you. Well, I you know it's, it's interesting because when you said Liza Minnelli, I also thought of her mother Judy Garland. And uh, one of the pieces that my wife and I do together is Over the Rainbow. Mm -hmm. And when I play Over the Rainbow, I try to play it the way Judy Garland sang it. Mm -hmm. And you know because and 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 uh, because of her phrasing and you know delivery of lyrics is uh, uh, and phrasing is just as important in terms of putting across meaning and emotion. And I was thinking, you know, not only Liza Minnelli, but another great female vocalist was Barbara Streisand. And Barbara Streisand was, uh, you know, she, if anything else, she could sell a song. Oh, God, yeah. You know, uh, when I think about, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't know why it's coming to mind, I, I guess, because she would, but with the music for Funny Girl, when she, uh, you know, don't rain on my parade. I mean, it's like, <laughs> she just sells it. Right. And uh, so I don't think there's anything at all wrong with drawing upon all kinds of genres. You even mentioned, you know, having played the cello. So you had some classical training. Uh, there's certainly a lot to be gained from, from that part of it as well. It, it, it's all what kind of goes into making who we are and how we choose to deliver it. And I think, you know, I love the fact that you talk about the smoothness of Etta James, and then you go talk about Janis Joplin, and all of a sudden I envisioned that I was eating my Tootsie Roll pop and I dropped it in the dirt. <laughs> and then, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because here's, here's Etta James and she, you know, when she sings at last, you know, I mean, it's just, oh man, it's so smooth. It's so sweet. It's delicious. Yeah. And then Janice Joplin's that grit. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Which, which when you put them together is, is an interesting experience. I don't, you know, so I, I'm right there with you. I think that's an excellent description. I appreciate the way you, you, you put that. Well, Tell us a little bit about your creative process. What inspires you to write a piece of music when you write? You know, sometimes it's something that happened very, really recently um, that will make you run to get that pen and paper. Um, something that really aggravated you. And, you know, journaling is the best thing, right? It doesn't always turn into lyric or songs, but that's one of the things. Um, but my husband and I too, you know, my husband's a writer. He runs and writes a lot of original material and uh, we bounce things off of each other. The last song, it's so funny that you had mentioned this, I, um, Cheat Man was a song that I wrote um, on my original album. And, you know, no need to explain much about that, but I sort of made a funny skit about it um, in the middle of that song when I perform it. So although, you know, it's got some deep rooted issues there, I turned it around and had actually people envision what was happening. Like one part of the song is, you know, I got dressed up for you, baby. I got my lipstick on. I got my high heels. I look at the clock. Is it 11 o'clock? Oh no, it's three in the morning. So obviously you're getting the idea that, well, somebody's absent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I made fun of the very hurtful situation. Um, so those types of life experiences, um, bring me there. Now, I can't think, is it original? My husband and I talked about that song. My husband wrote it, but that had to do with, you know, friends disappointing you in real time. Mm, so true. it's usually, for me anyway, it's either it can be something really deep-rooted or something that just happened that I have no control over that I need to put it in music. Okay. <laughs> you know? Well, then do you, uh, are you a writer? Do you start with a lyric or do you start with a, like, do you hear a tune in your head? or a particular rhythmic idea? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the ignition? You know what, it can be either one. Um, oh, okay. But I can honestly tell you, it's usually me writing my story first. Okay. So you'll come up with a, with a, with a uh, expression right. via words and then find what, what fits. So do then you, do you keep uh, like a sketchbook of, uh, of different ideas? Yes. Did you I draw journal. upon? Yeah. Uh -huh. I journal. Um, and Wonderful. I, when I hear something today, I think it's funny. I might write that down and start with that, you know. 
um, you know, I, I'm working on this song. It's a, you know, a slap my spanks, you know, where, what is that from? It's probably, it's from somebody that said that they couldn't fit into an outfit. Um, so I started to write that, you know, it's kind of something that I might hear yeah. that I wanted to be funny, but yeah, I keep a journal. So okay. All right. Well, that, that's good to have plenty of ideas at hand to draw upon if you need one. Well, you know, you, we talked about uh, you recording It's a Man's World. Uh, so when you cover a song that's been recorded by an artist of the past, and, and maybe it's even a well-known song, like It's yeah. a Man's World, right. I suppose there's probably two ways you can go. Now, this is just my opinion. So if you have a different way and disagree, feel free to express it. I feel like you can either try to come as close as possible to doing the song in the same or similar way the original artist, uh, or you could go in a completely opposite direction and make it an original song for yourself, making it your song. What do you think is your approach in that kind of situation? It's the latter. It's the okay. latter too. And I think that's an example of it's a man's man's world. You know, I came from a place that I wanted to make sure that I delivered the message that we are uh, part of humanity and we are equal. And okay. so this cannot happen unless we have a foundation. We need women there along with men. Um, so we need to recognize that. And although we have developed and we have been able to create and, you know, um, and uh, to manufacture and to be part of the world, it would be nothing if we weren't together, if we were not, if, a woman, if it weren't for a woman as well. So that's my take on it. And then okay. if you hear that, if you hear that in the song, when I sing that part of it, it's different than James Brown. Mm -hmm. at that point. But that's kind of the platform I came to is that we are equal parts of humanity. Um, and uh, I did have a different take on that, especially at the end, it was a little eerie and it's exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted some reflection in the back of that song. Well, now you've inspired me to go back and listen to your version and listen to James's version and compare. I haven't done that yet. I mean, I've been intrigued by you and, you know, I don't know how many times I've listened to your, your new album, but I love that the version that you do. And uh, now I'm going to have to compare. Uh, what draws you to a particular song by another artist that, that um, makes you want to perform it and perhaps record it? You know, I think, first of all, honestly, before I even listen to the lyrics, it really is the rhythm of the song um, and the chord progressions. You know, if it's not taking you anywhere, meaning it's not inspiring uh, emotion or, you know, something that's making me want to take a breath on it, you know, um, if it's not inspiring me, I'm not going to do that song. And of course, on top of that, the lyric is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, um, so that's really part of it. There are some songs that, you know, people say, why don't you do this song? But it wasn't do I, it wasn't doing anything for me. I could not deliver. I, do I see myself doing the song is number one on top of that. So can I tell the story the way I want to with how the song is written right now. I, and, and sometimes it's just not a fit. Sometimes I might like that song, but I can't deliver it. That would have any meaning that I would think the listener would want to go okay. back and listen to. Do you know what I mean? Well, so, I, I think I do, because you have to kind of examine the raw material right. and then decide for yourself, can I, can I make something out of this? You know, right. 
Right. Yeah, I and hear I you. And I don't like to duplicate exactly. I don't mm -hmm. like to do that. So, you know, sometimes I listen and I say, well, first of all, I can't do better. Sometimes I'll say, leave it alone. That yeah. I was like, you know, like I'm not going to do a Whitney Houston song. I, yeah. Her way, right? To perfection. But sometimes it's not even doing better. It's just that I can't, the, the way the lyrics were delivered can be, don't touch it. Don't touch mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing too. Some people say, oh, you'd be great doing that song. It's already been done too. You know, like I read some Aretha Franklin tunes, forget about it. You, the way she delivered it, there's yeah. no way. Just let it go with the beauty is phenomenal. So yeah, no <laughs> Right? And, and a lot of blues yeah. songs too, you know, and, and uh, some of the stuff that even you know, Nina Simone sang, man, just let it go. The, yeah. the way she delivered the lyrics, just let it go. And history is beautiful. Um, yeah. So I, I am, I'm very aware of uh, a territory which I want to be part of. Okay. I think that's 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 great. That self awareness of, you know, uh, that, that's a what I would tell students. That's a very mature way to look at things. To, to know what you can do, but also to know what your limitations are or what you're you you shouldn't do. Right. Instead of just diving headfirst into everything, I'm curious as to your opinion. However, are there blues standards, like for example, C.C. Ryder? or Smokestack Lightning or the St. Louis Blues. I mean, are those considered standards? Would that be something that almost every blues musician or blues singer should have in their toolkit? Well, there's certain songs that the audience wants to hear because they've been played so often. You yeah. Know? Um, and C.C. Ryder, for example, is one of them. Although I can honestly tell you people like Thornetta Davis who sings C.C. Ryder is nothing like you've ever heard before. So. Um, yeah, I think sometimes the audience does want it. They want to hear your take on it. Mm -hmm. Things you can't because there's certain lines in it you should not change or alter. Mm -hmm. B.B. King songs, do not touch those. If you're going to play them, make sure you're playing them as they were recorded. People expect that. Mm -hmm. But Rider, you have some flexibility. Some of your shuffles, you have some flexibility to add some certain things to. But to answer your question, yeah, I think there are certain blues, blues audiences that are going to want you to do some of those songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, and then, you know, you mentioned earlier about gospel and um, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that, that it wasn't in the ones I submitted. So if you don't want to answer it, you, you don't have to, but you mentioned about gospel, which made me think about the, I once heard the statement that the blues and gospel are two sides of the same coin. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we think about uh, uh, the blues as a music, we certainly can hear gospel influences, but we can also, without a doubt, hear the influences of the blues in gospel music. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that uh, one thing that we can, you know, kind of, that's money in the bank, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um... You know, it's so funny. I think the combination of both um, is present in a lot of uh, my deliverance of my lyrics. Mm -hmm. Not because I practiced it, because it's there, it's innate. So that soulfulness, people say, you know, there is no really genre straight up soul. I mean, what is there? I mean, soul is a style. Soul is a, is a, is a way you deliver your spirit. And so 
the reason why I say that is many, many times I'm hearing things and my vocal because my spirit is there. Mm-hmm. And I can hear it. I don't know what you would label it. Yeah. But again, it's 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 always present. So I I, I do hear both. And, mm-hmm. and it's so funny because my album um, was like number one on the soul blues category uh-huh. music. Like, you know, I was surprised that it was a soul blues. I mean, it was, you know, uh, wasn't, uh, it was in contemporary blues, but soul blues, it's been on the top of the charts for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, that made me feel good because I think that was my connection I was talking to you about before. It's not anything planned. Mm-hmm. Opening up my spirit and my soul. And, and that's where you hear the gospel and the blues together. Well, you know, I also was thinking, you mentioned that you knew Freddie Stover. And one of her pieces that just really flipped my trigger was her new recording of Wade in the Water, which is an old gospel song. Yeah. yeah. And the way she does it, wow. I mean, it just, it has that soulful blues feeling to it. And, and, uh, and you know, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of soulfulness in your music as well. So are you, uh, are you currently writing or prepping for another album? Yeah, we sent some stuff for Kenny to review. Okay. Um, so, you know, we, this album didn't even drop just till April. So we're already got our plans looking at soon material and it takes a bit before we decide sure. what, we're gonna, what we're actually going to work with. So yes, to answer your question, we definitely are moving forward. Oh, That's wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we'll look forward to, uh, to your new, uh, your new recording when it comes out because we know it's coming. Patty, is there anything else you'd like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about? Well, you know what? I am going to say a little bit. I just want to reiterate about the Nurse and Blues Project just a little bit. Sure, go right ahead. No, so, I, I. So here's the thing. Um, this particular this particular format, we have a board certified music therapist that uses the blue genre, and she does that because it goes back to us talking about soul and spirit and emotion. We use the blue genre. Um, on campuses for chemical dependency with little girls from 13 to 18 and then some older adults. And um, she mirrors also Blues American History at the same time, but she has musical interventions. And so what she's using is, um, you know, some foundations of medical information, what we know is from nursing and et cetera, along with the blue genre. And we've served about 1,500 people. Wow. And, and just to speak to that, it was really kind of funny to hear a young girl when I walked in to kind of pay attention to what they were doing. And she was singing Netta James at last. That's and I amazing. just was like, that was it. So I just wanted to mention that because of how powerful this genre is in terms of healing. Well, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do talk about nurse and blues in my introductory remarks about you. And I completely uh, should have asked you a question about it for us to talk about now, and I somehow was remiss in doing so. So I'm so glad you brought it up again, because uh, to my listeners, please follow the link that I put in my show notes that talks more about Nurse and Blues. Uh, 
and about Patty and what she's done there, uh, because it is a remarkable healing program. Uh, you, you know, as a music therapy, uh, using music as therapy. So I want to make sure my listeners know about that and we'll, we'll access that information. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Patty, thank you for taking time to talk with me today. I so appreciate it. And I want to uh, wish you all the best with what I'm sure will be a continued successful musical future. Thank you. I hope I get to listen to you on your condo. <laughs> well, if you're ever in Waukesha, Wisconsin, or you're ever coming this way, let me know and I'll let you know if we're going to play or, uh, you know, and um, I would, uh, I would uh, suggest have your management look into, we do have a blues festival here uh, nearby. It's usually the first weekend in August and uh, it's sponsored by the... Rotary Club, of oh all people. Wow. Yes. And uh, it's a two-day event. They, they have that. And, and Milwaukee has a, a good blues scene. We also have uh, one of the largest outdoor music festivals in the world. It's called Summerfest. Oh, nice. And it usually goes on the last week of July, through, or excuse me, last week of June through the first week of July, but of course with COVID, it was canceled last year. And this year, they're holding it on three consecutive weekends in September. But they'll we've had we've had some awesome blues acts that have come into Summerfest. And uh, you know, uh, if your you know management team were to look into getting you booked for something like that, and then I could come and see you. That would be great. Because I don't know, I don't know the next time I'm going to be in Buffalo, New York, but I guess I'll, I'll let you know if I do. I'll have chicken wings for you. Oh, they'll, oh yes, of course. Buffalo chicken wings. Where else would we get them, right? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. My discovery composer of the week is Anna Klein, born in 1980. London-born Anna Klein is a Grammy-nominated composer of acoustic and electroacoustic music, described as a composer of uncommon gifts and unusual methods in a New York Times profile, and as fearless by National Public Radio. Klein is one of the most acclaimed and in-demand composers of her generation often embarking on collaborations with innovative choreographers, visual artists, filmmakers, and musicians. Several upcoming projects explore Klein's fascination with visual arts, including Color Field for the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, inspired by the artwork of Mark Rothko, and Between the Rooms, a film with choreographer Kim Banstrup, and Los Angeles Opera. Her elegy, Within Her Arms, opens the New York Philharmonics 2021-2022 season. Other recent and upcoming premieres, Pivot, which opened the 2021 Edinburgh International Festival, A Thousand Mornings for the Fidelio Trio, Strange Loops for the Orchestra of St. Luke's, Fractured Time for the Kaleidoscope Ensemble, Overflow 
for wind ensemble for the Scottish Chamber Orchestra. Woman Holding a Balance, a film collaboration with the Orchestra of St. Luke's and artist Jill Bradley, and In the Gale for cello and birdsong, performed by Yo-Yo Ma. Klein composed a trilogy of Beethoven-inspired works that premiered in 2020 for Beethoven's 250th anniversary. Stride for String Orchestra, inspired by, by Beethoven's Sonata Pathétique, premiered by the Australian Composers Orchestra. Breathing Statues, premiered by the Calidor String Quartet, and Shorthand for Solo Cello and String Quintet, premiered by the Knights at Caramore. Other recent premieres include Sound and Fury, first performed by the Scottish Chamber Orchestra and Pekka Kuisto in Edinburgh, and her Rumi-inspired cello concerto, Dance, premiered with Ingball Zegev at the Cabrillo Festival of Contemporary Music, led by Christian Marcelaru. Dance was also recently recorded for AV Records by Sergev and the London Philharmonic Orchestra, led by Marin Alsop, and has garnered more than 5 million plays on Spotify. Klein served as composer-in-residence for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, L'Orchestre National de Ile-de-France, and Berkeley Symphony. She is currently the Scottish Chamber Orchestra's associate composer through the 2021-2022 season and a mentor composer for Orchestra of St. Luke's De Gaetano Composer Institute. Klein's music is represented on the AV Records, Cantaloupe Music, Sedil, Major Who Media, New Amsterdam, Resound, Zadik, and Via Labels. In October 2020, AV Records released Mythologies, a portrait album featuring Klein's works recorded live by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Both Prince of Clouds and Night Fairy were nominated for 2015 Grammy Awards. Her music is published exclusively by Boozy and Hawks. The All Music Guide lists 12 recordings of Klein's music. In my show notes is a link to a performance of Klein's Dance, First Movement, When You're Broken Open, <clears throat> for cello and orchestra, performed by In Inbal Zegev, cello, and the London Philharmonic, with Marin Alsop conducting. That wraps episode number 47. My show notes, along with the links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, I'll be interviewing Matthew Stubbs of the blues band GA20. Their new album, Try It, 
you might like it. GA20 does Hound Dog Taylor has been streaking up the charts. You won't want to miss this episode. Other upcoming interviews include Los Angeles-based blues singer Deb Ryder, Long Island, New York-based singer-songwriter Roger Street Friedman, and Austin, Texas-based singer-songwriter Grace Womack. So don't touch that dial. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day. Thank you.